you for taking time to listen to this sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church and of our campus in Lexington, Kentucky. It is our prayer that as you listen today, you will be encouraged, challenged, and equipped to be all God has for you. We invite you to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at either 8.30 or 11 o'clock a.m., at our Todd's Road campus near the Hamburg area of Lexington. I developed a bad habit during 10 years of youth ministry. We, we tried to figure out how to be relevant and contextual. And so I engaged everything in media through the lens of how we could use it for a lesson. So I started watching TV shows and movies and going like, where is God in this? I could talk to you about the theology of Hannah Montana or the theology of Camp Rock uh, High School Musical 1 and 2, I could talk about uh, in depth the, the, uh, the presentation of good people and bad, the presentation of virtue and vice. Uh, it really annoys Felsher that this habit has continued. Everything we watch, look at that, this is like Jesus. Harry Potter was just a bad thing to watch with her. Seven, eight movies uh, where we find the theology in there. Star Wars, uh, You've got theology all throughout, and uh, maybe my most favorite is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm going to tread lightly, Amelia. Have you finished Falcon and Winter Soldier? No, No, okay. Half my sermon has just disappeared because I can't ruin this for Amelia. Uh, There's this this thread throughout this whole uh, movie and TV universe of uh, good and evil, uh, ethical decision-making, Uh, What drives people? What is source of hope and what is dread? And Felsch and I have have recently been in the Captain uh, Captain America part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it started by watching uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus. And and it's this this kind of later on after Captain America, uh, I'm going to tread lightly here, asking questions about why did people love Captain America? Why would they have hope with Captain America? And was it his character? Was it his might? Was it uh, that he stood for the nation? Uh, and, and they wrestled with the meaning of hope. Uh, and so we, we dove backwards and we went to, to watch the first Captain, movie, Captain America movie, Captain America, the first Avenger. And, and uh, Felsha just wants to watch this movie and I'm sitting here going, that's why, that's why they love Captain America because from the very beginning, he's different. This is set in the middle of World War II where everybody is either getting uh, drafted or enlisting. And, and uh, it's this tale of uh, all these uh, good old American men who are signing up for service, the, the handsome, strapping young lads who'll go in and fight for their country and kill them some Nazis, right? And then you have Steve Rogers, this bone rail, asthmatic, multiple problem kid who wants nothing more than to enlist, to go into service and Uh, to do something. He forges where he's from. He goes to different enlistment centers trying that maybe they'll just let him in. And and time after time, he's turned away. And just as he's about to give up hope, uh, someone comes on the scene and notices that he really wants this. And why? Uh, He he asks him, son, are, are you Uh, So-and-so from this country or so-and-so from this country? So-and-so from here, so-and-so from here. Uh, And Steve knows that the the jig is up. He's been busted. And then he gets an offer from this man that he can't refuse. Do you want to serve your country? 
He signs up for this program, goes in, and, and they go to this boot camp kind of situation where it's uh, this reel of a guy and all these strapping men. They're, uh, they're doing this physical stuff, and he is constantly behind. He's huffing and puffing, and, and you just see how he's going to flame out of this uh, dramatically. The only thing that seems to be, to be hopeful is uh, his, his mind and his heart. Uh, we go through, and eventually the uh, kind of commanding officer played by Tommy Lee Jones comes on the scene and, and talks to this doctor who's, who's brought Steve Rogers in and goes, not, it's not this guy, he could, he's, he's nothing. Anybody else? How about this guy over here? He's uh, big and brawny and strong. Let, let's pick him for our program. And the doctor says, no, it's, it's him. And so Tommy Lee Jones grabs a grenade, pulls the pin, chunks it in the middle of all the guys, yells, grenade, and they all scatter, except for Steve Rogers, who dives upon the grenade to protect all those around him. And collectively we go, huh, there's something different. So he's okay to enter this program. They give him uh, this experimental medicine to make him a super soldier. He gets transformed into uh, the, the, the greatest specimen of human strength and endurance, of healing, of anything and, and from then all out, the question is, uh, what is he going to do with this gift? What is he going to do? Uh, they ask him, so you want to go kill some Nazis? And he says, I don't want to kill anybody. I just don't like bullies. He is uh, monetized to go out and sell government bonds, to raise money for, for things. He and the dancing girls go out and they do their show at town after town, raising 10 cents uh, war bonds. Uh, and... And he's lacking. He, he's desperate to do good. Eventually he goes out into the, the field and, and he goes to take this dog and pony show to the soldiers who boo him, who run him off the stage because uh, they're the ones on the front lines and he's here in his little costume with his dancing girls. And they boo him. Uh, they're setting us up really well here. If, if you didn't watch Captain America, it's 10 years ago. Sorry if I'm going to spoil the whole movie for you. Uh, I'll watch it with you sometime. Uh, but, but what happens is, is he's in this field of battle. He's there entertaining, and he finds out that uh, hundreds of American troops have been uh, pinned down inside of Nazi Germany and that the, the commanders are just going to leave them there. We'll, we'll have more casualties than if we... Uh, if we just stayed out. So we're going to just leave them there for now. And Captain America can't fathom this. He realizes his childhood friend, Bucky Barnes, his, his nearest and dearest is behind the enemy lines and, 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 and he can't stand to see evil prevail. So he does what he has to do to go out and defeat evil. And he goes and rescues these men and brings them back and into safety. And then the rest of the Captain America story is the story of, of a model of virtue who hates evil, who will do, uh, do the hard things in order to pursue good for other people. He would dive on a grenade. He would disobey a commanding officer. He would uh, love well. And this ends up driving the whole rest of the Marvel Universe for ages to come, this question of, of his goodness at every turn. I've been thinking a lot this week, uh, Felsh and I watched these movies as we're wrestling with this week's texts and how we don't want to push it too far, but I think, think Sean Gladding is right. The world loves to tell our story. In many ways, uh, Captain America is this messianic figure, this one who uh, literally is a model of pure virtue. 
who loves what is good and hates what is evil, who will uh, risk death itself uh, to go and care for people. Uh, This week's texts have got me thinking deeply about uh, the, the nature and character of our God and what it means for us. How would we look if our story was told in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? If people looked and said, what was so special about Chad or Maddie, Cliff or Marcy? What would that story be? Would it be a story of, of good, of the pursuit of virtue, of, of, of hate of evil? And would it look like these texts this week? Psalm 23 we're all familiar with, right? Uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We tend to forget more of the lines the farther we get along in that psalm, right? And, and towards the end, we're familiar with, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. But I love the way the CEB translates it. That goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. This isn't some just passive uh, trailing behind. God pursues us unconditionally not to push the metaphor too far but will follow us behind enemy lines to pursue us will go to the extremes of where we take depravity to pursue us but even more than that he wants to be our shepherd and draw us into the safety where there is good grass and good water where where we are anointed and things are good Our gospel text invites us to begin to ask questions about what is love and what is uh, the driving force of the gospel. Love is this, that I lay my life down on my own accord. Jesus says, the Father didn't make me do this. It's love because I choose to do this. That I'm going to give my life up for you and then take it back up. Our Acts text asks these wonderful questions that Amelia and Davis began to get us into last week of, of, of in whose name is there power in the church? And there's this, uh, this picture of power in the name of Jesus that his resurrection power that raised him from the dead is now available to the, the, the followers of this new Jesus movement. This power that... Uh, that enables us to do things we could never hope or imagine otherwise. These things that allow us to to truly pursue good and virtue. To call upon his name and his power for the healing of the world. And then our 1 John text invites us to consider what we do with that. And it says that This is love that we lay our lives down for others. That we're willing to to give it all up for the sake of other. God's love is powerful. It is relational. It is unending and it is transferable. We have the ability to tap into resurrection power in these days, to leave holy lives, to be people who are shaped and formed by God's love, to go out and bring it to the world. I was uh, talking to, uh, to a young man this week about 
uh, a research paper he's writing on why Gen Z is leaving the church so fast. Uh, one of the studies we looked at shows that only 10% of Gen Z actually fully committed to the life of the church. That they think there is something more beyond just simply attending worship for the sake of attending worship. That they would name that they do something else in the life of the church and that they believe God transforms their life. This is the thing that is, becomes the defining uh, marker for resilient disciples versus those who are nominal Christians. Do you believe that the power of God can do things for your life? And only 10% of this next generation says that they believe that. And Gabe, Gabe uh, Kathy sent Gabe, so I was talking to about this paper, and he said, why do you think that is? And, and I put it on us. We have served up a milk toast Christianity, and not just us, I mean us, the collective us, okay. I want to make sure y'all are tracking with me. This is not a poo-poo on and kind of thing. Us, the church collective, have served up this bland, stale Christianity that just says, yes, coming to church is, is enough. That we can do it on our own. That we can take care of ourselves. We're the only industrialized nation that has a majority population of Christianity. The church is thriving in the world where they desperately need God in order to survive and to thrive. But we have settled into a world where we can take care of ourselves and we don't need God's power and we are okay. These texts tell us that we actually desperately need our God who is a shepherd to watch out for us. A, a, a God who owns the field and will do anything for his sheep. He's not a hired hand who will run away at the first sign of evil. He will pursue us to the ends of the earth. God's love is powerful, unconditional, it's relational, and it's transferable. What would it look like for us to take the resurrection power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, to invite the Spirit to, to work in and through us, to go out in the world and show people how God's love can transform their lives? We have settled for a version of Christianity that looks forward to cloudy heaven, but fails to consider the kingdom of heaven breaking in now. I was talking to our fellows this week about uh, theology of death and dying. We were talking about um, the, the, the experience of the afterlife and, and what are we hoping for and uh, how, how some people have wrestled with what happens to people of other religions, what happens to people who have never heard about Jesus. And, and we talked about the question of Christian universalism. And somebody said, well, then, then what's all the point of evangelism? And I got on my high horse because the point of evangelism isn't just to save us to heaven, it's to save us in now to make us citizens of the new kingdom that's in breaking so that we can draw upon God's power to live in the fullness of God's love then go out and share it with others. Resurrection power didn't stop on Easter Sunday. It's offered to us day after day by the, the strength of the spirit and the means of grace that we might be shaped and formed in a way that we are resilient disciples who go out and help others become resilient disciples who declare that we don't have it all figured out but we will drag you along with us and we will go to the ends of the earth to love you and care for you. We will take seriously these, these texts today that said if we don't love enough to give itself, ourselves up for others then we truly don't love. Friends, our world doesn't realize how much they need resurrection power. How much they need the love of God shed abroad in their hearts. How much they need the means of grace. We have to destroy this false narrative that we can, can save ourselves and take care of ourselves. That we can be the masters of our own destiny. The world needs to know that God's love is powerful. 
It's unconditional. It's transferable and it's relational. Relational. My prayer is that we, we would be bold in declaring that power to the world, offering hope of the resurrection, offering citizenship in the new kingdom of, of heaven that is breaking in now, that we wouldn't settle for a faith that our students go off to college and, and don't miss, that we don't settle for a faith that uh, does not sustain us in our days of darkness. I pray that we would be bold and trusting in the good shepherd who invites us into his field, whose story is told in every bit of media we ever see, and who loved, him, loved us enough to give himself up for us. Would you pray with me? You are the good shepherd. The one who owns the pasture and cares for each of your sheep. You are the God who offers us life and life abundant and yet at the same time calls us to lay our lives down for others. God, we pray that your grace would wash over us. Your spirit would fill us and your resurrection power would animate us to go forth in the strength of your spirit, to bear witness to your kingdom that is breaking in now, to help a, a broken world see that, that you matter now and that you can change our lives now. Lord, thank you that you have pursued us all of our days, that your goodness and mercy follow us and chase after us and go as far to the ends of the earth as we go, and that you back us up even in the face of evil. Lord, may our world be transformed because we are faithful to what you have called us to. Because through your spirit, we lay our lives down for others. And because we trust in your goodness and your ability to shepherd us and to lead us and to never leave us or forsake us, regardless of where you would have us go. We pray all this in the name of our good shepherd, Jesus Christ, and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Let's pray our great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, brought us to a land flowing with milk and honey, and set before us the way of life. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son from the dead, and to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, and now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples, and said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Loving God, pour out your Holy Spirit upon your church. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and cup and make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we might be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. This is love. And he would lay his life down for us. The bread which we break is the body of Christ. And the cup over which we give thanks is the blood of Christ. Friends, the body and blood are given for us. You have them in your seats. I invite you to receive now. Would you pray with me? Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we might go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others 
In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Friends, would you stand as you're able in body or spirit to join us in our closing hymn number 536, Precious Name. dismiss you by rows, uh, so wait for them to give you the signal to avoid a traffic jam. Um, but as we go this week, um, let us take the resurrection power to the world and show that the kingdom of God is, is breaking in now. Uh, let us leave behind the bland um, Christianity and show the richness of God's love and grace. Um, and let us look for the ways in which the good shepherd is pursuing us this week. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thank you.